Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. We are in a series of messages where we're looking at the life of a man named Paul, whom God used and his life was very influential in his in his world, the world of his day. He was part of a group that gained the reputation of having turned the world upside down, which is right side up, according to God, because as you get into scripture, you find out that the values of the world are exactly the opposite of the values that God holds in life. And so he he and his crew had helped many come to know Christ and decide to follow him. And it was radically changing their their lives, their perspective on life, their values. So they gained this reputation. He started churches throughout the Roman Empire. God moved in him by the Holy Spirit to write about two thirds of the New Testament, which has had a lasting impact on the world after him. And so we've been looking at his life to learn from him, to, to try to. Figure out what we can gain uh, from the way he lived and the insights that he shared. When we meet Paul in the New Testament, he was a rising Jewish leader who rejected the claim that Jesus was the Savior uh, and the Son of God. And not only did he reject it, but he led an effort to persecute anyone who had decided to follow Christ. So he he was, whatever he believed whatever his convictions were, he played them out in his life. And that's the same way we are. But he he really went after whatever it was he was committed to. On the road to Damascus, we looked at this first week, uh, he met Jesus Christ. He was on his way to persecute some more Christians, find them, persecute them. And he met the resurrected Jesus and he completely flipped. He, he completely changed sides and decided to follow Christ, make him Lord and boss. And this turned Paul upside down. <laughs> and so he became a guy who began to help others come to Christ, which turns them upside down. And he made such an impact in his world that he gained this reputation for turning the world upside down, which is right side up, according to God. He devoted himself to helping others come to know Christ, started churches throughout the Roman Empire. As you can see on this map, um, the, the different you can't maybe see exactly the different colors, but that he started churches. This traces his three missionary journeys and he started churches throughout most of the Roman Empire on into Europe, which was a part of it in that day. And you can see the influence he had, how wide it was. Um, God, God chose Paul to influence his world in a major way. There's something in us humans that, that makes us want to live a significant life. It's in there. There's because we're made in the image of God. There's this nobility that we have. And God really has put it in us to live a significant life, to influence other people, to make an impact for the good. Now, that gets twisted. And sometimes we don't live up to that 
impulse or that drive that God put in us. Uh, but when I look at what Paul did with his life, I, I get fired up about God using me in some way to influence others for good. And, and you may too. Um, I remember when I was uh, at Baylor University briefly, I heard an interview by Bill Russell, who was famous baseball, basketball, sorry, basketball player at the time. And he was retiring and they asked him why he was going to retire. And he, you, you may have heard this before, but he, he said, I knew it was time to retire when I realized I'm a grown man running around half naked trying to throw a leather ball through a round hoop. <laughs> and, you know, that was okay. He had a, he had a really good career and I'm, Sure that God did a lot of good through him with his career, but when he said that, I was at Baylor playing baseball. When he said that, God spoke to me, and he said, uh, Randy, you're, you're trying to hit a little ball over a fence. And baseball had become very stale to me. And, and God used that comment to, to sort of peel back the curtain and show me what was really important. Now, now, God calls some to play baseball, basketball, whatever it is. That's not the problem. But whatever it is, as you're doing what it is you're called to do, God wants you to do it in a way that really impacts the people around you. And for me, baseball becomes stale. It wasn't where God was leading me. But God used that statement to show me because I wanted to make a difference. I was really, I was 18 years old, uh, and I, I really wanted to basically do what I wanted to do at that age. But there was something in here that God was drawing out of me through that statement. And so I, I left Baylor, and it's a long story, we won't get into that, but there's, there's something in all of us like this. And as you get into Paul's life, there's a pretty bad experience experience, a pretty bad circumstance from Paul's life. It's, it's mild. We would say it's horrendous, but compared to the other things he went through, it was sort of mild. Uh, but he shows us in this circumstance the key to influencing our world, a key, one of the major keys to influencing our world. And you find it in Acts 16. So we all want to bless and do good by the people around us and accomplish God's purpose with our lives at some level that that's in us. So we're going to dig into this circumstance from Paul's life where he shows us what to do. He was on his second missionary journey, traveling with his teammate Silas, and they crossed the Aegean Sea and came to the first major city in the, that region of Macedonia, a town called Philippi. And Philippi was a Roman colony. It was the leading city in that district of Macedonia. It was sort of like the New York and L.A. of our country, where trends and things going on in these places tend to f make their way to the other parts of the country. That was Philippi. It was, a, it was a major influential city in that day. Trends started there in Philippi, and they went to the the rest of the, the region, there are no known Christians here when Paul arrives, Paul and Silas and the rest of his team. Nobody was known to follow Christ. There were some Jewish folks, some, a very few Jewish folks. And so Paul's strategy when he would go to a new place like this 
His strategy was to go where he was most likely to find people that would listen to his message. So what he does is, it says in Acts 16, it says he went out the gate of the city to the riverside where people prayed. So it, does that sound like a great scene? You know, you, go, you just go to the riverside and pray. That sounds pretty cool to me. So he finds this place at the riverside where people are praying. And there's a lady there named Lydia. And it says that she's a God-fearing woman. So what it means is she, she really had a relationship with God. She wasn't just going through the motions of religion. She really respected God. And she wanted to do what, what God was telling her to do. And she was open to hearing his message. So he shared the gospel message about Jesus Christ with her. She responds to the message. She accepts Christ and invites Paul and Silas to her house. Paul and Silas and the team go to her house and they share the, the message of Christ with the rest of her family and they decide to follow Christ. Everybody gets baptized. I don't know how far they were from the river at that point, but they probably made their way back to the river and everybody gets baptized. Now, what is that a great start? That's a good start. I mean, you go to Philippi, you show up at the place where people are praying, you share Christ with people, they're starting to follow him. And so Paul stays in town for several days going back to the riverside where people are praying to see who else might want to hear the message of Christ and decide to follow him. But as people were changing, they were upsetting the status quo. People were starting to change. One, one gal who had the ability from uh, Satan to tell people's fortunes uh, came to Christ. She was delivered from the demonic and her, her uh, owners or handlers, she was a slave girl, I guess, and so her owners got upset because th- she lost you know, her ability to tell fortunes, which meant they weren't going to make money off of her. And so this kind of thing is going on. People's lives are radically changing in Philippi, and the authorities are starting to get threatened by what's going on and... That's where we step into the story. They take notice, the authorities take notice of Paul's ministry. It's disrupting their way of life. It's threatening them. And so only by doing good has Paul made some enemies. Now, this is a shock. Sometimes this happens. Actually, often. It happens where you're doing good and you make enemies by doing good. And they they put him in jail. This is how we discover a main component of Paul's influence. It's in this circumstance. Let's, let's read about it in Acts 16, starting with verse 20. And when they brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disrupting our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice, which was not, not true. The crowd joined in attacking, attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So that, that's, 
That's horrendous, isn't it? They get beaten with rods and put in jail for trying to help people come to know Christ. What do they do? What, what, What does Paul and Silas, what do they start doing? Check it out. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. So God responds in a dramatic way to their prayers. The jailer wakes up. He sees that the prison doors are open, that people's chains are unfastened, and he he proceeds to make arrangements to kill himself. (laughs) He's going to take himself out because it's going to be horrible what, what could happen to him if the authorities get to him before he has a chance to take himself out. Paul stops him and explains, hey, hey, we're still all here. We haven't left. You're okay. Don't do it. Don't kill yourself. He, he tells him about Christ, the power that set everybody free there in the prison. And the jailer decides to follow Christ and ends up getting baptized. So these are, these are some amazing things that are going on here in this story. Pretty, pretty amazing. But what Paul shows us is important, a major component of his influence. Here, Paul finds himself in a place where he doesn't have the power to deal with what's going on. And he shows us what to do. He turns to God in prayer. He goes to God and prays. This is what he does. This is what many people do when they're in a bad situation. They turn to prayer. You see this in movies a lot. People pray as a last resort. And I'd like to show you a clip from Gravity, the movie Gravity. What happens in movies often is we get pulled into what's going on with a character through a circumstance they're in. And sometimes all they can think to do is pray, so they pray. And in gravity, what's happened in, in the clip that we're going to watch, it's, it's a little eerie. <laughs> As I was watching this movie, I thought, oh, that is, that is eerie. Because she is in a capsule and she's become untethered from the main ship and she has no power. There's no way that she can get home. And this is, this is what she does. Let's listen. I'm dying, God. I know we're all gonna die. Everybody knows that. But I'm gonna die today. It's funny that you know to know. But the thing is, is that I'm still scared. I'm really scared. Nobody will mourn for me. No one will pray for my soul. Will you mourn for me? Will you say a prayer for me? Or is it too late? Uh, I mean, I'd say one for myself, but I've never prayed in my life. so Nobody ever taught me how. 
she, she'd never prayed a day in her life, but at that moment, she turns to God in prayer. As she's facing her last hours, prayer was the option she chose. This is what we tend to do, and Paul shows us we're, we should pray in times of trouble. We, we need to turn to God. There's nothing, that's, a, that's good. That's a good thing. In fact, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11 says this, says, <clears throat> Paul's saying this, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we, we felt that we had received the sense of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. This is, this is what pressure, God wants to use pressure to do, to lead us to rely on him. Trouble and pressure, horrendous circumstances. He, he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. When, when we're facing death, pressure, any kind of trouble, Paul's showing us here, rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So we put our hope in him. This passage is, is packed with helpful perspective, but there are two things we can pull out of it for sure. Prayer is a pure expression of how much we need God. And it shows us that we're, it, it shows that we're putting our hope in him. Secondly, prayer is powerful. It impacts the outcome of situations and circumstances, and it has influence because the one we're praying to has the power to shake the earth and loosen the chains and open the doors. He, he's got the power to do that. Paul pleaded, he asked the new church, this is a brand new church he's writing to, one that he had started, he asked the church to pray because he knew God listens to the prayers of those who call upon him. And he responds and he says, the more that pray, the more that can give thanks. So this is why we pray together in, in church life. We, we want to support each other this way because as God works, then we see the answers. We're all encouraged as we share needs with one another and as we pray. Very, very important to, to pray together on these things. Paul prayed in troubled times, and he showed us this. That's what he's doing right here. He modeled how prayer is a part of a Christ follower's lifestyle as well. Not only in troubled times, but it's, a part of our, our, it's to be a part of our lifestyle. It, it shouldn't just be reserved for the dire times, maybe if we're in a capsule floating through outer space or something. Okay, I'm probably never going to be there. You probably won't either. I'm, I'm, I'm too big to be an astronaut, okay? thankfully, because after watching Gravity, I thought, oh, wow, that's a little scary what those guys do. Um, but anyway, he showed us not only to pray in dire circumstances, but to pray all the time. There's something else he said, pray all the time. Ha, ha, listen to First Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you ever wonder what the will of God is, here it is. It's laid out. If you wonder what God wants you to do in any given circumstance, here's an outline. 
Seems impossible, doesn't it? I mean, does that seem tough? To rejoice all the time? To pray without ceasing? To never stop praying, but to be consistent and continually praying and taking things to God? To give thanks in everything? This, this, is, this is not our native reflex as we handle the circumstance of life. But giving thanks means I thank God in the midst of whatever's going on for what he's doing and what he wants to do and what he's given me already. I whisper a prayer of thanks as I go through the day. As, as different things are going on, we, we want to try to learn to give thanks to God as it's happening. Not to, not to just take it for granted. Thank you, God, for, for this meal. Thank you, God, for this friendship. Boy, that was a really good time. Thanks for that time that I had at lunch with this friend. Whatever's going on, thank you, God, for the growth of my kids. Whatever's going on, we, we can learn to whisper prayers. To God of thanks. Um, often when I'm dealing with challenging circumstances, I pray going in. I ask God for help after I do my best to remember to thank him for what he's done. I'm asking for He He really gives the help I need if I rely on him. When we choose to be thankful, that leads to rejoicing. Because we're thanking God and we're rejoicing for what he's doing and what he's done in our lives. Since there is so much to thank God and rejoice over, I continue to pray and thank God while at the same time presenting my concerns to him, my cares. I lay them before him. I give him my needs. This kind of praying may be a stretch for you. And it's, it's, it's a habit. It's a pattern. It's a lifestyle that we need to grow into. All of us, we don't start here. But if you think about it, in today's world, we're very connected with others that we love in our world. Do you text? Do you text a lot? <laughs> uh, I text. I don't know how much in comparison to others, but I, I text people, and I'm more connected to what's going on in the lives of those around me than I've ever been. Before texting, would, would you ever think you would be on your phone sending messages that much? I'm an old guy, okay? I, I'm, in, I'm in my 50s, you know. I'm, I'm from the era when you had to go to a pay phone, put money in it, and call people. But this, this is amazing. We stay connected. Why do you do that? Why do you stay connected that way? Because it's, it's a quick, easy way to communicate, to share what's going on, to express thanks, to communicate love and concern. You're connected and you stay caught up. This is what we can do in prayer, the same thing. We, we can stay connected with God. Paul turned to God first through prayer and was connected this way. And he tells us this is what we all, all of us who follow Christ, this is what we're to do. Keep praying, rejoice. Find your joy in the situation. You may not be happy about the circumstance. That'd be weird. Oh, I just got beat to smithereens and they threw me in jail. This is awesome. Okay, that's weird. You know, you don't, you don't rejoice about that, but 
You, you find the joy in the situation by going to God and asking him to use it for whatever purpose he wants. And then you keep praying throughout the day. And you give thanks. We stay connected this way. This, this is the key shift Paul's describing here. Move from turning to God as a last resort to, do, to going to God first through prayer. This is the shift. When something comes to your mind you're worried about, turn it over to God in prayer. When someone comes to mind you're worried about, pray for them. Be alert, Scripture says, at all times. Pray for the people around you. Pray for the things that come to mind. Learn, develop the pattern, the lifestyle of turning that over to God in prayer. When you're frustrated or perplexed about a situation, turn it over to God. Ask Him for help. Ask Him to do what needs to be done. When you're beyond your own ability to do something, ask God for help. Tap into Him, to His power. Ask Him to work through you, to show you what to do, to give wisdom, whatever it is you need. God takes action in response to our prayers. They make a difference. From the small things to the large things. I've, I've seen this. I've, I've hunted around the house for my keys or something I've lost for hours. And then finally, I don't know why I wait so long sometimes, but finally I'll say, God, I really, I'm wasting a lot of time here. Would you help me find these keys? And sure enough, boom, I find the keys. Or I find whatever it is that God responds when we pray, he knew where the keys were the whole time. I should have checked way back there. You know, this is how God is. He, he helps. He wants to help. We started, this is, this is a pretty good secret in the congregation at this point, but we started a building and expansion fund for the congregation here uh, in really in July. I announced it to the leadership community, and then in August, I... Uh, announced it to the uh, at the at the our business meeting where we talk about what's happening the next year. I haven't really said anything about it on Sunday morning, so hey, this is the announcement <laughs> that we're gonna we're we're full. Not in here. We have room for the adults. We have room in the parking lot, but we're completely packed in the kids space, and so we don't even have room for the junior high and high school to meet. So we're doing something else right now with them with those classes. And and so we're whenever you get full in one of those three spaces, you can't grow as a congregation. So whenever the adult area is full or the kids area or the parking area is full, you can't grow. You need you need more space. And when we've gotten to this space or to this place in the past, whenever whenever we find more space and God shows us what to do about what we're trying to do, then we grow into the space that we have. And that, that's what's happened here. So anyway, I became convinced that we needed to start uh, a building expansion fund. And so we've, we've opened it up. You'll hear more about it next week. We're going to start our Christmas offering. You'll hear more about the details of what we're thinking on it next week. But um, I, I, I really just wanted to share this with you a couple of months ago. After mentioning the fund at the uh, at the 
the business meeting where everybody's invited to come, I nobody was giving to the business fund. You know, so a bunch of people knew about it. And I, so I started beginning to think through, what, what is it that I need to do as the leader of this congregation? How, how do I get the word out? How do I begin to move? And I was reading in Exodus 25, and God is putting the resources together. He's having Israel put the resources together to build the tabernacle. And in Exodus 25, verse 2, he says this, God tells Moses, from every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. And when, when, I, when I read that, God said, Randy, you need to start praying that God would move the hearts of the people to give to the building expansion fund. And so we had set a goal of 130000 and likely once we find out where God points us, we're going to need more money than that, but that's an intermediate goal. And we, at the time, had had, you know, I really hadn't rolled this out to the whole congregation or anything, so I wasn't expecting us to be at our goal by far, but we were probably at about $1,000 or so. And I started praying on a Tuesday that God would begin to move the hearts of our people and others to give to the building and expansion fund. On Wednesday, somebody gave $500. On Thursday, somebody gave $1,000. And on Monday, somebody gave $3,100. And it was God's way of saying, hey, see, I'm here. (laughs) I'm going to work. I'm going to move the hearts of people to give. And so I've been praying that almost every day since. But this is what God does. He, As you pray, he, he works to influence people the way he is. He's not going to overrun somebody's choice in the matter. But he is going to begin working in the lives of the people that you're praying for. He's going to respond to your own prayers. In your circumstance, he's going to give the wisdom you need, the help you need. And as you look at Paul's life and the way he lived, you realize prayer is his power source. This is this is where he got the strength from. He relied on God to provide the power to make the difference and have the influence on the people around him and on the world around him. Prayer added fuel to at least two important things in Paul's life, and it can do the same in ours as we talk to God about these things. Prayer fuels our spiritual growth as we deal with temptation, bad habits, conflict in relationships, scary situations, uh, attitudes that stink. We can go to God and ask him for help. When we ask for God's help, God normally works by walking through the circumstance with us, not by making it go away, because he grows us through the pressure and trouble in our lives. This is what he's doing. He provides the power to walk through these things that we're facing in life. Prayer also fuels our influence. God works in the lives of others when we pray at work. We want to be a help. To our co-workers. And if you follow Christ, you'd like to be a testimony to them. You'd like to make God look good to them and be an attractive person who draws people to follow Christ as well. So we pray for opportunities to serve, to love those around us, and to share Christ with them. And they open up. God gives them. In ministry, we want to help people grow. Have 
wisdom for decisions as friends of ours and those around us are trying to make decisions and choices. They're trying to work out their problems. They're, they're working through things. We can't open hearts to God. We can't control other people. But God works if we pray. He doesn't work if we don't sometimes. Sometimes he's waiting for us to go to him. In the family, we're responsible to raise our kids and help them grow in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's a big assignment. God wants to help us with this. He, he wants to work through us. We, we can lean on him to help. Now, God's working. One of the things is God, God's working in the world, whether it's through us or not. Prayer gives us a chance to see what he's doing through us. It gives us a chance to get in on the action because God's purpose is going to move forward whether or not we're in on it. But if we pray, we get in on it. We get a piece of the action. And it's, it's, it's great. If we learn to go to God with all our concerns, we will see him work and also grow in understanding of his ways because he'll say yes, he'll say no, and sometimes he says wait. And as he responds to, the, to these requests, as he responds to our prayer request, we learn more about him. Sometimes he says, wait, to grow us more. Sometimes he says, no, because he knows best. Ultimately, it wouldn't be good. He's, he's got his agenda that he's working out in history. And so we ask and we wait to see what he says. We learn a lot by sorting out how he responds to our requests. If we don't pray, we're not, we're not tuned in to how he's responding. We're not connected with him. We're not gaining an appreciation or an understanding of how he works. And sometimes we get baffled at what's going on. We need to talk it out. Talk it out with somebody who's walked with the Lord for, for years. So to help with this, we've put together in your program, there's a prayer guide for ourselves and others. And this is just a summary of Paul's prayers in the in the New Testament that may be a help to you as you pray for others. Uh, you, you can use this to focus your prayers for yourself and those around you. Uh, and it helps to see what was most important in different situations to Paul. When you or someone you care about are making decisions, you can use Philippians 1, 9 through 11, I've often prayed uh, that people would have, they would grow more in knowledge and depth of insight so that they may be able to discern what, the, what is best. In a decision, there's good, better, best, there's bad, there's good, better, best. Often we can compare and contrast bad with good and try to avoid the bad and do the best. But uh, God's the only one who knows what's best, so we can pray for people that they'd be able to discern what that is. Here's some focus for when confidence is needed. Maybe, maybe you have a challenge at work, home, or ministry. You aren't quite sure if you can handle it. You're not sure how it's going to turn out. You need strength and faith to, to push through. Look at Ephesians 3. Ask that God could, could grant that you'd be strengthened in power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Here's some guidance when understanding is needed. Maybe something in your life has you baffled, a homework assignment, a family relationship uh, that's broken, or a project at work or in school. You can use 
Ephesians 1, 16 through 19, to guide you. Pray that God may give a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. We invest our resources and time and money and things going after goals. We're never quite sure how it's going to turn out. As we pursue these goals, we can ask God for the best outcomes. That's also on that that sheet, uh, the handout. We need God's help to pay attention to the fruit we're bearing. Paul prays that he's asking God to fill the Colossians um, with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that they would be bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is something we can pray. When, when we're Christ followers, we want to help others, and we want to see God's work, his purpose, his kingdom move forward through us. And the last two passages give some guidance for praying, for open doors to share Christ and the gospel, the good news with others, and for the ministry to advance. So I've just given this to you. You may take it and use it this week to, to think through how to pray for different situations you're facing. But Paul sets the example in going to God for wisdom and power. And the Lord had him write these templates down. He he set the example. He modeled for us a lifestyle of prayer. And he gave us these templates for our own prayers to help us. I mean, we can pray other things. Prayer is just talking to God about what's going on and asking him for help and asking him to move. But this certainly informs us as to some of the best things to pray in different circumstances as we face different decisions. I'd like to ask you, if you would, to to take out the connection card uh, that's in your program that you began to fill out earlier. And if you would, take this time to finish completing any information or next steps. And then when the offering ushers come by, you could drop it in the offering. That'd be great. Uh, Here are some next steps that I've suggested. One of them is to use the prayer guide to pray for myself and others this week. Maybe that you're facing some of these things that are kind of highlighted in the, in the, the different categories of prayer. Second thing is to pray right now for my most pressing need. What, what is my most pressing need for prayer right now? Take the time to pray about it. We're going to, as the... As the band leads us, we're going to do something before we get there, but as the, as the band leads us uh, after uh, this time, we're going to give you some time to pray over your most pressing need. You may use the prayer guide or you just may pour out your, your heart to God in that. Before we wrap up and before we get to that point in the service, I, I'd like to bring up some some of those in our congregation who are going on mission trips in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we have a team that's going to Germany, to Bonn, Germany. And uh, we also have a team that's going to Chiang Mai, Thailand. Uh, the team that's going to Germany leaves next Saturday, which is the 14th. And the ch- team going to Chiang Mai is leaving uh, on the 21st, which is also a Saturday. Would you all come up and... Uh, We'll introduce you and then we'll pray over you. And Thad Lanthrop is leading the team to Germany. And I'd like him, if he would, just to explain a little bit about 
what, uh, what you're going to be doing, why you're going to Germany, and what you're hoping to accomplish. All right. Well, we are leaving. And this. could you introduce your team? Sorry. Yes. Yes. I'm going with Corey and Tiffany Klein and Mike Garcia and then uh, Carrie Smith, who is a, she goes to our Alhambra campus, um, is going to Germany with us. And what we're doing there is we're teaming up with a student ministry called Connection, um, and they work at the University of Bonn in Bonn, Germany. And so we are going to, um, we, we leave on Saturday, get in on Sunday night, and starting Sunday morning, we're going to be passing out flyers for different events that we're going to be doing um, at night as a way to include new people into the ministry and then to reach out to new people to try and, and help the ministry there um, to, to grow. Um, and then we're going to be, so we're going to be doing these different events and things at night. Um, I've been saying we're going to be living the college life for, for a week. And, um, but, but the college life where you schedule classes in the morning. So you stay up late and then you get up in the morning and do, and do stuff. So, um, we're going to be doing just a a bunch of uh, different events. I think we have seven or eight events planned for the five days. So Monday through Friday, we're going to be hitting it hard with events and things and, and trying to help the ministry there. All right. Thank you, sir. Well, we're, we're, uh, some of the team that's going to Chiang Mai. This is Lindsay Lanthrop, Jody Whited, Cindy Lanthrop, um, Val Rangel, and Carrie Oral. And then uh, we have John, Jonathan Rickert from the Alhambra campus is going. Gary and Joni Hamilton from Chico. He's the pastor and his wife from Chico Community Church in Chico. Uh, Christian and Sarah Williams from the Hope Church are also going. And what we're going to be doing uh, is a three-day conference for missionaries in the region of Chiang Mai, all through Chiang Mai, Laos, uh, Vietnam, that area, Cambodia. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a conference on the attitudes of success, the attitudes that God blesses there. And you know, we, we really just want to encourage the people who are giving their lives this way to help other people come to Christ. And so... Um, we're going to do that. The first three days, the team is going to go to a northern province in Thailand, Phuyao, and we're going to be trying to help a, a man who's starting churches there, just meeting people. When, whenever you show up and you're uh, white Americans, you draw attention. And so we're going to be just trying to meet people and connect with them and help them understand the 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 gospel. We, thankfully, we'll have translators. There was a misunderstanding, and they sent a gospel presentation that had Thai, English, and phonetic Thai with an MP3 of the pronunciation. And I thought, all right, we'll give it a shot. You know, <laughs> it's a tonal language, but we can pray. <laughs> and so, anyway, we don't we don't have to know that. Thankfully, we can just do it in English, simple English. But um, that's going to be exciting. But if, if you all think about it, could put it on your prayer, we'll probably let it get it out there that, that we're doing this. But for protection for the group going to Germany and protection for the group going to Chiang Mai, and that God would use us to, to see into situations supernaturally with the ability just to see the needs of people and speak to those needs. And uh, we, just, we just need help for that. If you, if you could pray with us, that'd be great. I'm going to lead us in prayer uh, right now. Father, we thank you for 
those willing to serve and <clears throat> step out of their comfort zones to go meet people and uh, show love to them, to serve them. And God, we ask for help for the Germany team as they head out Saturday. I pray for your help and blessing for them as they uh, travel, watch over them, protect them, help them, and just give them the ability to really love the people that they meet and they're around and really serve Anya as she's setting out to, to meet students and help them come to know you and grow up in you. Pray for the Chiang Mai team, God. We ask for your protection and for your help. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray against the enemy who try to come against us. And we ask for, for power from you to, to do the work and for both these teams and that we might really be a blessing to the missionaries and that we might connect with those that you're already working in their heart, drawing them to you as we go to the area of Fayal, that you'd, you'd give us the ability to connect and share Christ with them. Lord, we, we lift these teams up to you and we ask that you'd be honored and glorified and that your purpose would be fulfilled. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. And uh, I forgot, Cody and Cassie Flannery from Orangecrest Community are going, and they're important because they, he, he plays the guitar and sings. So they're, they're going to lead worship for the conference. But uh, if, if you could be praying, that'd be great. Let's take the time as the band plays just to, to pray through some things that are on your heart before God. <clears throat>